This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to a Humane First Look, your exclusive story on how one company in the United States is helping the federal government, businesses, and the healthcare system confront coronavirus known as COVID-19. Electrify is leading the global effort in COVID-19 with innovative early detection systems driven by machine learning that can detect COVID-19 in under 20 seconds without pre-trained or annotated data. Listen in to a Humane First Look, your exclusive on Electrify's product release to help prevent the spread of coronavirus through image recognition of infected lungs. Electrify is open sourcing their technology with the Trump administration, major hospitals, and pharmacies for AI for good. This is Humane. Welcome to Humane. My name is David Jakobovich, and I will be your host throughout this series. Together, we will explore AI through fireside conversations with industry experts. From business executives and AI researchers to leaders who advance AI for all, Humane is the channel to release new AI products, to learn about industry trends, and to bridge the gap between humans and machines in the fourth industrial revolution. If you like this episode, remember to subscribe and leave a review. Listeners, welcome back to the Humane Podcast. Today, I have a special guest who is involved in the healthcare industry. His name is Ed Scott, and he's the CEO of Electrify. I met actually different members of the Electrify team this past November 2019 in New York City at the AI for Healthcare conference. I got to see what their product's doing in healthcare, and they were doing some amazing work then. But fast forwarding now into 2020, there's some big breakthroughs that I'm looking for us to share the first unveil on on the Humane Podcast. Ed, thanks for being with us. David, a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Well, I'd love to hear uh, what are you working on today and why is now an exciting time for Electrify? Well, you know, let me begin for the listeners to set the table just a touch and talk about what Electrify is. We really are the United States' oldest machine learning company that started off in the procurement area and then pivoted to create the first fully integrated, closed, proprietary machine learning platform, everything from all the data ingestion, the transformation to the DQM, to the preparation for the models, to the to the scoring, to the insights and so forth. And a couple of years ago, we got control of the business, which had become a leader, but it sort of, you know, lost its way along the way. And we transitioned that closed proprietary platform into a fully open platform built on the cloud, uh, built on uh, a common Spark computational engine with the use of Kubernetes, Docker containers, and of course, notebooks. So we gave all of our customers, our 200 some odd customers that we have built up over 15 years in the healthcare industry, in the manufacturing industry, in the financial services industry, in the federal 
practice area, the reasons to say yes to electrify in this modern world. And that's quite a transformation. And part of that transformation, David, as you and I were discussing earlier, is we not only changed the entire, re-architected and re-engineered the entire technology stack you know, for our customers to make it more modern and open and agile. But I'll tell you what, we also shifted from being uh, more of a data science consulting type of company to a full-fledged world-class machine learning products company. And that was a big, big shift. And that's our competitive position on the landscape. There are cloud players, there are tool players, there are hybrids in between. There are very few that are actually sitting and selling to the C-suite and solving the C-suite's problems with regard to revenue and cost reduction and risk reduction from a product perspective, from a SaaS product perspective. And that's what we've done to put all of our products in that way. And this has been done by a world-class team. And if people want to see it, they can go and, and visit our website and see our leadership team at www.electrify.net. But I'll tell you what, you know, over the course of our 15 years in machine learning and dealing with the Fortune 250, many in the hospital and the, and the payer sector, David, we've learned an awful lot. And there's a lot of benefit to focus. And one of the things that really drives this company is our focus on a certain number of verticals and a certain number of products. We are not all things to everybody. And in that product area is really where you see us shine. And so our products focus on procurement AI. How does a company spend its money? Contracts AI. What rights and privileges or obligations does a company have or hidden risks, actually, does it have in, in its contracts? Image AI, which we're going to get to a little bit later in the podcast when we start discussing what we're doing with data lakes and coronavirus and so forth. Customer attention, customer acquisition, retention and development, which is very important in the healthcare area with regard to patient steerage. And then finally, our revenue capture project where we help hospitals all across the world capture discharges, all done in, in machine learning. So we are today a company of 250 world-class data scientists and full-stack software engineers spread across Shanghai, Delhi, Jersey City, and San Diego. And we are highly focused on, as you point out, on the healthcare industry, the financial services industry, the federal sector and TMT, and highly focused on our products. And that benefit of focus really lets us get very intimate with our clients. And up at the C-suite where we solve the problems in ML, those chief marketing officers, chief financial officers, and CEOs are sharing with us what are their problems. You see, the world doesn't need more bandwidth storage and compute. There's eight guys out there doing it, and you and I both know who they are. And there are a thousand tools companies. What the C-suite is essentially saying is, will someone please help me solve my problem? And the problem is widespread. And one of the things that we know about that problem, as you and I were talking earlier, is that everybody's data is disparate and it's disconnected. And it's all over the place. It's in SAP systems, Oracle systems, IBM systems, Cerner systems, Epic systems, Allscript systems. And there's no way really to get at that data until now. And that truly is one of the core competencies of Electrify. We are among the three or four best companies in the world with regard to data pipeline competency. I know that the FT and the Wall Street Journal talk about models and algorithms and all this kind of stuff all the time. But you know what, David? That's not where the rubber hits the road. Where the rubber hits the road is really on who can go out and get all that data, who can bring it in quickly in an automated way, who can map all that data in ETL in an automated way to get at that data transformation very quickly and get it into the models. Without the clean data, there's no AI. That's simply the case. And we are seeing it across the world in the most sophisticated 
enterprise customers, and of course, in the hospital and the payer space. And that's the big challenge that's out there you know, in the world. That's the state of data that no one really wants to talk about, which is specifically that the data is stuck in all of these data lakes. And what we're really good at is unfreezing those data lakes quickly and letting those CEOs and that C-suite have insights to that data to drive their business, specifically with regard to cost reduction, risk reduction, and revenue improvement. And that's a little bit about, as we talk about, you know, Electrify, that's a little bit about, you know, who we are. But we feel finally, I think just to, as the final comment on this, you know, our place over as a machine learning products company, where our products are deep into the workflows of those C-suites, that's where we live. And we believe that the folks who are closest to the end user customer at the end of the day will be the most successful. You know, Ed, you and I both know that the state of data in the United States is a mess. I mean, there are so many platforms and data privacy is the big issue we're experiencing in 2020. From personally identifiable information to security reviews to data breaches, companies have the data and they don't know how to work with that data. And you mentioned that now you're coming up with a solution that industry agnostic across healthcare, across government, across the federal areas, people are going to be able to better mine that data and extract those insights. What do you think are some of the key action steps that companies can do today to better use their data? Well, I think the first thing is, you know, 50% of all of all projects with regard to AI and machine learning fail, as you know, David, you've been doing this as long as I have. And the reason we see for that is, is two things. Number one, there has to be uh, leadership and momentum from the C-suite. It has to be driven down that this is incredibly important to our business. I'll tell you what, you know, one CEO who's doing a good job of this is Richard Fain at, at Royal Caribbean. And Richard basically got his entire group together. Royal Caribbean's a big, obviously a big, you know, travel hospitality cruise line company, massive company. And they got the entire company together about six months ago. And he said, you know what, if we're, we're going to drive AI and ML into every single part of this business, and that's what has to be done, that leadership from the top. In the digital world, if you are not embracing digitization in this world, I'll tell you quite simply, David, your company's dead. But it's not enough. Embracing digitization doesn't let you harness the power of AI and ML. When you look at a comprehensive AI or let's just say a, a machine learning program, you really have to understand what are my objectives? What are the objectives of the C-suite, the, the chief procurement officer, the chief marketing officer, the chief financial officer, the CEO? What are the objectives? And clearly map those objectives roles, responsibilities, accountability, very well mapped. And the fact is many companies don't do that. They get the pressure from the board or they get the pressure from the C-suite, let's turn to AI and ML, and it becomes an amorphous journey that ultimately ends in tears. So you need leadership and you need definition and clear scoping and project definition. What are our objectives? How are we gonna do it? And who in the organization is gonna be responsible? The second thing is, and we touched on this, everybody's data is a mess. I don't care what we say. What all of the software companies went out and they did to all of corporate America and to all the hospitals and the payers. And they said, oh, you got to create a data lake. And if you create a data lake, then your data is going to be ready for machine learning. And David, you and I both know that is not true. Just because you take all the data and you dump it in structured, unstructured, whatever, does not mean that it is ready to be used. Not by a long shot. That data has to be cleansed. That data has to be normalized. That data has to go through a DQM process. That data has to be crystal clean and ready for a data mark or a data warehouse where it can then be touched for a specific application. Once again, the success of AI and ML really is contingent upon your capability and your competency in the data pipeline. 
we have 15 years of experience in data pipeline experience for the world's largest corporations and the world's largest hospitals. You cannot replicate that out in the market. And that is why these corporations and the cloud providers, Google, Databricks, Azure, Oracle, others are coming to us because that competency in taking in massive amounts of data, we process terabytes of data every day at Electrify for all these companies. And all of the work is really done, a substantial amount of it is done in that in that data pipeline arena, David. So you've got to have not only the project scope with accountability and responsibility, but then you have to get your data clean. You don't have a choice. And we help companies and, and hospitals do that each and every day, and it's a pleasure. But it's not easy. I will tell you, it's not easy. I couldn't agree with you more. A lot of listeners on Humane know that I have my data science standards, which is a workflow to productionize data science projects into cloud systems. But even on top of that, I recently came out with my five steps of design thinking for data science projects. Mm -hmm. And listeners would think that it's all technical questions, but it cannot be further from the truth. These are business questions and business objectives because you got to have the business to be successful. You need to have a strong business model so that your technical product can also grow. And from a growth perspective, you and I were chatting offline earlier that Electrify is growing. You have some new recent hires and global expansion plans. Love to hear more about that. I'd love to tell you about that, but do you mind if I just pick up on one thing you said? I think it's incredibly important. The companies that succeed in the next 10, 20 years will fully embrace digitization, but it's not enough. You've got to go beyond that. You then have to harness the power of, of AI and ML, and you have to do all that work on the ETL side, as we've been discussing. But I'll tell you something else, David. Here's the challenge to corporate America, and I'll lay down that gauntlet. If you as the CEO or the CEO or the CFO of your firm, if you do not and cannot express a return on investment or return on invested capital from all the money you spent on data lakes and data marts and all the tools companies that have come not walking through your door, all the tens of millions of dollars, I'll tell you what, you're going to be out of a job. Because you're going to you're going to show the board that you don't have the competency, the true data competency to organize your company and to participate in the full bouquet of what's available in the ML world. It's not enough just to get up in front of the analysts and say, oh, we have made our path and put our path along you know, the digital highway and proceeded along the digitization of our company. No, 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 it's not enough. You've got to actually put the fine point, cross those T's, dot those I's. You got to be able to say going forward, I spent this amount of money with this cloud provider this amount of money with this tool provider, this amount of money with this ML product company, and this is my return on investment. And if you can't do that in front of your board of directors, you're going to be out in the new digital world. So what have we done to prepare you know, for all this? You're right. We are growing leaps and bounds in our areas, our areas of focus. Once again, our verticals are TMT, healthcare, financial services, and, and the federal space. And why is that? It's principally because we have the machine learning products that dial up the revenue dial down the cost and dial down the risk. So let me give you an example. We run the procurement programs for many of the world's largest corporations. CVS is one example. They use our machine learning to see exactly where they're spending the money. And you know what else they do? Then they connect that spend to the contract. So they can see with exactly what vendors they've been spending all their money and what the terms and conditions and the relationships with those vendors were contractually. For example, if they spend $100 million with one vendor, were they supposed to get a discount of 5 or 10%? They didn't know in the past. Today, they know. This is the power of machine learning to actually use AI and NLP to extract key terms, words, and conditions from contracts to show places like CVS, what's your risk? 
What's your opportunity? How can you reduce the number of suppliers and in doing that, gain leverage with the one that you actually anoint? How can you reduce the suppliers who are not focused on social issues, social issues like human trafficking or social issues like proper growing of, of crops and goods, things of that nature? These things actually now matter in the boardroom and the C-suite, and well, they should. And it's AI and ML that sits on top of all these contracts that pulls these key terms, words, and conditions out, matches it with the spend that gives the world's largest corporations the ability to see what's going on. So we have built these products on procurement and contract, very, very focused to help people dial down their, their costs, dial down their risk, and dial up their revenue. And I'll tell you, it matters today. It matters an awful lot because you know what? This coronavirus is not SARS. This is not by any stretch of the imagination. Coronavirus is impacting the entire world, and we're seeing it right now. We're seeing the stress in the financial markets in the United States, March, Friday, March the 6th. We're seeing it not only in, in the equity markets, but we're seeing it in the debt markets with the spiking you know, of the CDS spreads and so forth across all these companies, which is simply a reflection of the risk. Airlines face an existential moment right now. As a fixed cost business, they cannot survive with the loads and the yields that they're currently experiencing. And you're starting to see airlines in Europe go bankrupt. You will see that in the United States. The same will occur with hotel companies, the same with cruise line companies. Anybody who's got fixed expenses, transportation companies, when the yields and the loads drop, the businesses can't respond quickly enough. But the real issue there is they do not understand the risk that they are exposed to within their, their contracts, their contractual requirements. We have through our contract AI, the ability to lift out those key terms, words, conditions, phrases, clauses, that show the risk that they're under. By the same token, what we saw in 2008 with the insurance companies was a massive dislocation. Those insurance companies and reinsurers are oftentimes the holders of last resort for risk. We're now talking to some of the world's largest insurance companies about what's in their contracts. And the sad and ugly fact about it, and the same is true with the lending business across the world, David, they don't know what's in the contracts. The money has been moving too quickly over the last 12 years, as you and I talked about, no. And so they need a product that can actually show them the risk. Contract AI shows them the risk. So what we've done is built a suite of practical machine learning products to, that lets the C-suite drive down the cost, drive down the risk, and help drive revenue. And that's really, really powerful. And that's why these cloud providers are beating a path to our door saying, let's partner, because it's gotta be about more than just bandwidth, storage, feeds, and speeds. And that's what we offer. But we can't do this without our great team. And it's not me. I have a team behind us. It's a team effort here at Electrify. We talk about our culture, our culture of urgency, our culture of transparency, our culture of disruption, reinvention, and self-examination, and our culture of teamwork. That's what it's all about. When you look at who we put on the field to execute this shift to a fully-fledged, world-class machine learning products company, you look at individuals like Lu Ming Wang, the head of deep learning at Uber and Microsoft. You look at Greg McNulty, the former chief technology officer of CBS Health. You look at Steve Holodeck, the former data officer at CBS Health. You look at Jim McGowan, one of the senior data scientists from Bell Labs. Data is in our blood, but it's practical data and practical ML. And that's why we go back to getting the data prepared and so forth. We couldn't have made these shifts to this type of company, to a world-class machine learning products company, without these folks. Additional folks, Michael Fox, head of our product from VMware. Mina Navi, head of program management, proposals, pre-sales, operations, and pricing from CVS. Nancy Hornberger for IBM Watson. Deb Fahey from EMC and Staples. These are world-class P2P 
people who have voted were there. They believe in the mission we are on to change the way the world works through machine learning. They believe that our suite of practical machine learning products will help that C-suite in a very differentiated way. So it's all done with that with that team. So I just I want to let you know it's not just me and, and a vision. It's a team that executes across the world 24 hours a day. We have 65 people in China, the same in India, and the balance of our company here in the United States. And every office, 24 hours a day, is sharing technology, is sharing product information, and is sharing knowledge. And we are developing, delivering, and selling ML products for our customers, each of the markets, 24 hours a day. We call it Electrify 25 by 7. It's that little extra digit that's the special part of our culture where we truly understand the linkages between all of our functional areas. We've built this. We've built this the way Elon Musk built first principle SpaceX. We said, don't tell us how it should be done through the books. Don't tell us how we did in the past. Let's do it what's right for the ML world and what our customers are going to demand. And we built a beauty. So it's amazing to hear how you've done this digital transformation and are continuing to grow and scale globally between both the United States and China. And the remarks that you have shared, Ed, could not have come more timely. As you mentioned, companies are going bankrupt right now because of the coronavirus. Flybe out in UK went bankrupt a couple of days ago. United Airlines just cut 20% of their supply chain. I'm predicting it here on Humane right now. I think we're going to have the biggest startup bust since the 1999.com bubble. But I don't know. Maybe I'm being too aggressive in my thoughts. Maybe a solution like Electrify, where I understand my contracts, can better help me dial down that risk to hedge my bets. The reason I'm saying this is Anderson Horowitz came out a couple days ago telling all the startups in their portfolio expect not to be raising capital through 2021 as a result of the coronavirus. I don't know. Is it overreaction? Well, is it fair? I'd love to hear your it, take you know, on let's this. Talk, let's talk about, look, I, you know, I've, I've known the Andreessen Horowitz, you know, folks for 20 years. I built Europe's largest data center business called Interaction over there. You know, I've had a lot of respect for Ben and the team there. And I'll tell you what, I think they're exactly right. And I think you know, the same, uh, I tip my hat to Sequoia as well. I know Sequoia delivered a similar message to its portfolio companies last night. And I think that we are in a once in a hundred year black swan event here. And the difference, you know, principally, and I think this is what these guys are thinking. So I think we have to tip our hat to them. They're very, very bright and connected folks and very smart and have tremendous vision across the playing field. And I'll tell you, David, I think, you know, the difference is we talked to our head of, uh, of of China this morning, a wonderful woman, an incredible data scientist, Ms. Shen Sun. And, you know, Ms. Shen and I were talking about this and she said, you know, Ed, I'm really worried. And I'm worried because in this one case, the one thing about China that was effective in the control of COVID-19 was effectively they could control where uh, 750 million people moved or didn't move. We cannot do that. And so, therefore, the network effect of how this virus spreads will benefit, you know, from that inability to control it. And I think that's why Ben and Sequoia, Ben and Andreessen and Sequoia and others are actually, you know, pointing to this once in a hundred year black swan event, because I think it's actually real. And I think what the world is facing is a massive demand and supply shock. And that's going to, where it's going to hurt, is going to hurt in the technology business, going to hurt in the small companies, and it's going to hurt in the companies that have tremendous fixed costs and they cannot adjust those fixed costs or that risk quick enough. And that's why, you know, in order to be able to do that, you got to see, number one, what am I spending my money on that I can cut? We got that for procurement AI. And then what's in my contracts? What are my contractual rights and obligations that I have to deal with? That's contract AI. So we're out there talking right now to the world's largest insurance companies this very morning, manufacturing companies, banking companies, hospital companies, payers, et cetera. This is a real time event. So I don't think that you are 
overstating this right now, simply because, you know, this country's not set up, you know, for the, we, we move so seamlessly across borders, towns, states, et cetera. No one has ever had to think about staying in place for two weeks. Most families aren't set up for that. Most corporations are not set up for that. We at Electrify are. We put in place a work from home policy in case we got to exactly this kind of black swan event. And that's why we transferred all of our knowledge and product and technical out to each of our offices in India, China, and the U.S. So that if one went down, we could continue to service our customers 24 hours a day. But I think you're on to something here. And I think you're going to see this pressure in the airline business. You know, we have had a long-term relationship with, uh, with United Airlines. We love United Airlines. And, uh, you know, we're going to stand, we stood by them for five years. We stood by them at a very difficult time recently, and we'll do it again. And uh, and we'll help them uh, get out of this mess. And we'll stand by most of the world's corporations to do exactly the same. But you got to have the practical products that help these guys dial down the cost and dial down the risk. And that's practical ML. You know, this isn't about you know, uh, speeds and feeds and instances and GPUs and TPUs. That's not what it's about. It's about, can I get at the information? Is it if it's locked in all these systems, get at it, clean it. Let me see what's there. Let me see what my risk is. Let me act quickly. My board's going to be demanding it. Well, it's great to hear that United's already up to the challenge with Procure AI and the technology you're offering through Electrify. And similar to other companies you've mentioned earlier, Ed, I think there's real challenges around risk that you're helping them solve. You mentioned CVS and Royal Caribbean. You know, it's been in the news that face masks and hand sanitizers are completely sold out, even in New York City at CVS's and Dwayne Reed's. We've seen how Royal Caribbean's had some of their ships, which have been off the coast of California, Japan, and elsewhere with nothing that they can do because of COVID-19. How are you helping many companies, whether it's these or others, uh, manage their risk? Well, let's, let's talk about that because, you know, if you're an airline or you're a cruise line, what are your principal fixed costs? They're principally, let's take the airline industry, only really two major costs here in the airline industry, labor and fuel. So you got to know what's in those contracts, particularly on the fuel side. They have forward bought, forward purchased all their, all their fuel. There may be hedges on that. There may not be hedges on that. And they're going to seek to get out of those fuel contracts. And they're going to do that with firms like Trafigura, Vital, Glencore, that are the big traders. They're going to do that specifically with the refineries like the Marathons, you know, the Valeros, the Exxons of the world. And you are going to have one big cat fight. And it's all going to be around what's in the contract and what are the terms of force majeure? Do we have it? Do we not have it? How is it interpreted? All that kind of stuff. But, you know, you can't properly understand your risk. You can't go as a CEO or CFO, you can't go in front of the board unless you truly understand the risk. And unless the only way to understand that risk is to use AI and ML to suck out all the terms, words and conditions of those contracts, give you a view of all of it so that you can make sense of that risk and you can begin to act. And this is where ML gets really practical because it saves time, cost and money and get you to the, the decision point. But I'll tell you what, you know, we're not just helping these companies, David, as you and I you know, we're doing our part for COVID-19 and, and uh, Electrify is not just about practical machine learning products. We're also about innovation. You know, we've been dealing with the United States government, which is probably all I can say right now. We've been dealing with one of the largest cancer institutes and health institutes in the world that has come to us and said, we understand that you have a particular technology that can unlock or can facilitate the detection of COVID-19. And that is true. We have a a substantial uh, image analytics uh, department here and expertise at Electrify. And what we've been able to do is uh, automate the annotation of libraries of, of images and to do that for some of the world's leading hospitals. Imagine that you are 
um, you know, Sloan Kettering, and you have 50 years of cancer images, livers, breast tumors, liver tumors, brain tumors, etc. That's all, as you know, David, that's all unstructured data. And it's very hard for those institutions to actually make sense of, for research or other purposes, anything about that data. What we've been able to do is come up with a way to automate the annotation of that and then turn all those pixels into ones and zeros and in in a sense mimic sql and be able to search a database to say over the last 50 years give me all the liver tumors boom and have it come up that is real power you know for ml and it's spreading into how we deal with COVID. we've had institutions across the world send us images of infected lungs. We don't need a lot because our particular system, the way we do this, we don't require a lot of training data. We don't require 100,000 images of COVID infected lungs. We require 10. That's it. And with that 10, we can define and pick out all the features of COVID as it relates to all the other, you know, lung and, and pulmonary related maladies and be able to detect and tell someone whether you have COVID straight away. Why is that important? I'll tell you why. Let's say you're at JFK or LAX or Singapore or Beijing Airport or Toronto or Heathrow. Everyone's getting wanted. Well, if we can see who has a very high temperature, we can get that person into an area. We can get a quick CT scan. We can take the data from that CT scan, run it directly through our model, and within minutes, tell someone whether you have COVID or not. And that's true. We can get that person segregated quickly into care versus them going into the cities and spreading it more as they get on the buses, the subways, the hotels, the restaurants, et cetera, before they're really sick. That's a game changer. And people have come to us and said, Electrify, we didn't know who you are before, but we know who you are now. Your technology is three years out ahead of the market. You know, this is so meaningful today. We've been seeing all over the news that there's pictures and images of people in Italy, Iran, the United States, China, and Korea with these temperature devices that are measuring infrared and seeing if they're above a certain threshold. But you're absolutely right, Ed. You know, the temperature, how I look at it from machine learning and AI, it's the first step in the process. It's like a false positive. You know, if my temperature is above a threshold, then that's great. Let's move forward with the CT scan. If not, no worries. But temperature is not enough to say if you have COVID, right? It could be the flu. It could be a cold. It could be many other things. And it's amazing to see how just in the last four days, yourself at Electrify and even Alibaba in China have gotten in on the CT scans. Both your companies, over 96% accuracy at detecting viral pneumonia, particularly around COVID-19. And it's fast, as you mentioned, 10 scans or less in less than a minute, maybe even less than 20 seconds. Uh, What's enabling this technology? Technology transformation. Well, I'll tell you what we have told the Trump and Pence administration is that we will give this technology away uh, to the United States and give this technology away to the world. And because that's what AI for the good means. And that's who Electrify is. And that's a very powerful statement. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's like what we've seen with COVID-19 is that everyone is working together. I don't think we've seen in the last hundred years, researchers collaborate to this extent in modern history. Typically, research in the medical field has gone to publication, and now it's every other day. Um, Google and DeepMind just decentralized the protein foldings yesterday on COVID. It's incredible. And that is such a blessing for history that you're opening up access to say, hey, we want everyone to be safe from this virus. And, you know, this is something we showed to Google and that they were very impressed with. And they said, you know, how did you guys do this? You know, that's all part of the the, the secret sauce, which we, we won't get into today. But, you know, at the end of the day, it gets back to the discussion we were having. People's data is either a mess or it's frozen and it's locked and they can't get at it. 
And that's the principal problem in the world. And these data lakes of images are a perfect example of this, David. You know, how what we're doing, you know, with the great hospitals of the world to take all of their scans and to, you know, automatically annotate those and make them searchable, in, you know, in a database, not with inference, you know, but with precision. And if you know your data science and, and so forth, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about on that. To be able to do that with precision is really the key and to make it searchable. This is what practical machine learning means. Unfreeze your frozen data lake. You know, all of these software companies have sold you all the, the memes and the snake oil about you put all your data in a data lake and it'll just be fine. It couldn't be further from the truth. And then the CFO gets another bill. Well, you need a, you know, you need a, a data mark, you know, or you need something else or a tool or this or that. And it's, you know, this is the continual problem we've seen in the technology business over the past 30 years. And you and I have seen this probably starting with ERP, you know, coming all the way up to today. But I'll tell you what, you're right. We haven't seen, I think, since probably 40, 50, maybe longer, the collaboration of the world together to attack this issue. You know, we are we are not different. We are not Americans. We are not Chinese. We are not French. We are not Indians. We are not uh, Moroccans. We are citizens of the world. And we have to solve this problem together. And we have to solve it now. And it's a very exciting time to be here. We're glad to have be playing a uh, our small part in doing that. So as we're continuing to see, and as you've described, the acceleration of COVID-19 globally, you know, it's now in over 100 countries, uh, soon it'll be in every country. And mm -hmm. we're not just seeing, you know, different people being infected and quarantines and, and different processes putting into place, but it's a whole transformation of what life is like. It's almost as if we're going back to the pre-digital days when we were just with horse and carriage, uh, where we're not able to go out with planes and cars and all these different devices, except we're enabled by remote work and the future of work. And I think, you know, if I see one of the big blessings of COVID-19, it's we're all coming closer together. We're able to work together with software like Zoom and Slack and, and set up new policies that quite honestly, should have been in place 10 years ago, but now companies are coming to grip with the reality. Sounds like you've been on the forefront of those policies, and you're on the forefront as well on understanding how AI can help prevent the spread of coronavirus before it gets worse or however worse that may be. Well, I think that's right. I think the great companies can be forced to adapt and they're going to be forced to adapt. And you're seeing it, you know, I'm looking now out from our position in Jersey City, looking across the, the Hudson River here at, at Manhattan, the bottom of Manhattan. And I'm looking at all these great banks and many of whom are customers of ours across the river. And they're going to be forced to adapt, you know, for the safety of their, uh, to protect the most important assets, which is their people. And that's certainly how, how we feel about our company. Our people are our most important assets. And we put in place procedures and policies 60 days ago with regard to travel to India and China, well before this was in, well before this was, you know, uh, in vogue or, or in the news the way it is today, we informed our board of what we were doing. We began to talk about uh, economic impacts to us and to other companies about, about the COVID-19, which, you know, at that time was still called Corona 60 days ago, you know, or so just to show you how quickly this is, uh, this is happening. I guess part of the benefit of that is, you know, we have 60 some odd uh, amazing data science professionals in, in China and, and we lived through what was going on there in, in December and January, David. You know, we heard, you know, from them and, and got a sense of their fear. 
and talk to them every single day to let them know that we were standing right right next to them, one team, one electric vibe. But we saw what was going on in, in Shanghai. We saw how families were forced to, you know, stay in their apartments and when food was delivered, you know, to families when only one person couldn't go out every two or three days. And, you know, to the Chinese people's credit, you know, they, they soldiered through that, but, and we saw it and we said, wow, this is occurring in China and Chinese New Year is, is upon us. It's only a matter of time before it's here in the United States and it's across Europe and so forth. And, you know, sadly, in this case, we were right. And, but we put in place protections on travel, uh, work from home. And we could actually shut our office today in Jersey City and in San Diego, have everybody work from home and continue to deliver, develop and sell for our clients each and every day, 24 seven, no interruption. And I'll tell you what, that's a, that's a credit to our, you know, our staff. You know, when you have folks like, you know, Greg McNulty, the former CTO of CVS, these are people who think about risk, who think about these things all the time. And that's what we're driven by. Our primary objective is here to make money for our shareholder and to also to continue to deliver for our, our clients uninterrupted. So we needed to think about this and put these policies and procedures you know, in place well ahead. And we're ready for it. We're absolutely ready for it. And I think, you know, I think businesses will adapt and, and will adjust to the new world of, of not necessarily uh, conducting business by congregating in the office. But I think, you know, those that are very adaptable and flexible and purposeful and very customer driven, they're, they're going to figure out how to organize themselves, you know, remotely with Zoom, Stack, all these other things, as you correctly point out, that are going to result in, in continued delivery of services to their clients. So we'll be right there with them to help. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, what you're describing, I think, is the most important thing in 2020 is not that you need to have emotional intelligence, EQ, or actual intelligence at work, IQ, but having adaptability quotient intelligence, or AQ. It's how adaptable are you to the environment, and we don't know where it's going to go. You know, it's amazing. This is part of our culture, and, and it's the heart, you know, we're on a mission and our mission is to change the way the world and our customers work through machine learning. But our culture, as I said it you know, earlier, our culture has been since the day we arrived, you know, we sat down and we wrote what we wanted our culture to be and, and how to build it, a culture of urgency, transparency, disruption, reinvention, self-examination. You know, we tell our people and our customers today we'll serve you through ML today. But tomorrow, it might be a, a completely new technology, and we'll have to adapt. And that adaptability is at the heart of who we are. It's in our DNA. It's what, it's what enabled us to make that transition from an amorphous data science company to a world-class machine learning products company, which, as you know, David, is thoroughly very, very different. But a little bit of that fear, a little bit of that, you know, that disruption, that urgency, that innovation, adaptability, that's who we are. And I think if you're not, if you're in this particular environment, you know, if you're a company and you're listening to this podcast, you've got a you've got a lot of risk in financial contracts if you're in the insurance industry, or you've got a lot of fixed costs if you're in the airline or or other industry and contracts you need you may need to get out of. You need to understand your risk, your rights. Well, you better get at this pretty quickly. And uh, sure, we have the products to do that. I'm sure there are others out there as well. But you know, for those companies and those boards, you better get at this really quickly because this could go on. This could go on one or two quarters, and many companies don't have the financial wherewithal to survive two quarters. Now, Ed, one of the big questions I want to ask, and a lot of people have been talking about this, economists and the news lately, is, is just what you mentioned. You know, Do we think it's going to go on one or two quarters? Is it going to be a little dip, which will be like kind of a recession, but not really? Then the economy comes back. Then there's a double dip. Obviously, we're not playing hearsay here, but all these things are possibilities. And some of that's driven by what we've seen in China in the last few days, that there's actually been relapse cases of COVID-19. And we're 
we're not sure whether that's because hospitals have, you know, uh, released patients back into Wuhan uh, sooner than should be expected, or if it's just because the virus is mutating. We've seen now over 59 strains of the virus with two significant varieties. It's incredible um, how not just the virus is adapting, but also how we need to adapt to any situation that could be possible. Everything is, is game today. Yeah, I think that's right, David. I, I don't think we know the answer to your question, but you know, I'll go back to what uh, our head of China, Ms. Ms. Sun, said uh, today, which is, you know, we have the we meaning China, and her from her perspective, had the ability to actually control the movement of half a billion or three quarters of a billion people for a period of time. It appears that did arrest the rapid spread of the virus. Whether it arrests the second wave spread due to mutation is to be seen, but over here. We don't have those same uh, luxuries that the Chinese government has to actually control, you know, how people conduct their lives or move or, you know, their mobility and uh, and so forth. And that's just not who we are. And we are going to be faced with that, I think, pretty quickly. I don't see this actually going away in a quarter or two. I see, I see this as a meaningful 2020 event and something that is going to uh, impact the valuations and survivability of uh, many companies. I think Ben Horowitz and Andreessen is exactly right. I think my, my friends at Sequoia are exactly right. This is an existential moment. And uh, you better get at understanding your risk in your contracts. You better get have the ability to see what your costs are and to use tools to reduce that cost pretty quickly. And you better see where you're spending money and begin to husband cash as quickly as possible because you're likely going to need it. And the difference between, you know, 2008 and today, you know, there are many differences. You know, that was a that was principally, uh, you know, a leverage and and housing and a financial services, you know, driven, you know, problem and largely a problem in uh, in the credit markets with with discipline and all of that, as we saw with the fall of AIG and the assumption of, you know, all the banks you know, into the Fed system. Um, this one's a little bit uh, a little bit different. This is a black swan event that came out of nowhere. And the problem is, unlike 2008, the Fed and the ECB had the ability to grease the system and restart it by reliquifying and dropping those rates to near zero. And you remember TARP and HARP and all these other programs that, that were out there. We don't have those right now, David. These interest rates are low. I looked at the, I looked at the 30-year and the 10-year, you know, because I'm an old credit guy coming from Apollo, you know, that 10-year is about is around the lowest it's been uh, ever. And uh, we've never seen spreads like this or rates like this. Um, bond market is essentially telling you that uh, that there's a real crisis out here. And the markets on the equity side, they don't know what to do. You know, they, they're not sure. And um, I've been doing this for 25 years. And this is the first time I can tell you that the smartest guys in the world that I know that control these funds are telling me they don't know what they really don't know what's going on. But you look at that 10 year and you look at that 30 year and they're approaching that zero boundary. And every time that happens or those kinds of shifts occur in the financial markets, you know, the, the credit markets are much smarter than the equity markets. You know, equity markets have the upside unbounded credit markets. You, you only get your what's in your contract back. And so the bond market and the credit market, you know, analysts generally have a much finer, a much finer pencil on the analytics. And uh, what those markets are telling us is there's a real problem here. And we ought to take note. And I'll tell you, you know, I used to work for uh, Leon Black and, and Mike Milken. And I'll tell you, two of the smartest guys I've ever met. You know, Mike always used to say, when you see spreads in the high yield market blow out, watch out. And uh, it's beginning to percolate in the high yield market. So the fixed income markets are telling us there's trouble for a while. And I think we ought to I think we ought to take heed.
That's right. Time will tell, you know, and speaking of time, I know our time is short, but I want to make a bet here on Humane that I love always trying to guess who the time person of the year is going to be every year. And I actually think the time person of the year in 2020 will not be a person, but it will be the COVID-19 virus. So that'll be an interesting bet to see if that comes true. You know, I'm going to take I'm going to take the other side of bet with that. The other side of that trade, if I might, with respect. And I'm going to say that the time 2020 person of the year is humanity because we're going to come together as a global family and solve this AI for the good, my friend. I was just going to add to that. You know, I think humans and AI can work together. And Ed, I love making long bets. So definitely we'll go into that long bet. You know, I, I appreciate that you're offering Electrify solution for AI for good as we're tackling COVID-19. What final call to action would you like to offer to our listeners on Humane? So I'll tell you, uh, corporations and hospitals and payers and providers, we're here to help. We're here to solve the problems, drive revenue, reduce costs, reduce risk. Get us at a www.electrify.net or on Twitter at Electrify or find us on LinkedIn. You'll find our people standing by ready to help 24 hours a day. We do it for the Fortune 250. We are here to help. Ed Scott, Electrify. Thank you for joining us on the Humane Podcast. Great. My pleasure. Have a good evening. Hey, humans. Thanks for listening to this episode of Humane. My name is David Jakobovich, and if you like Humane, remember to click subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Luminary. Thanks for tuning in and join us for our next episode. New releases are every Tuesday. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.